I'm Mark Adams and welcome to episode 39 of Mark's Mess Podcast, where with my daughters Charlotte and Catherine, we look at the world of geekery um, one month at a time, I suppose. Uh, this is it. This month we're going to be looking at some of the movies we've been watching and looking at the various style of some of the movies. And in the second part of the show, we're actually going to be looking at one of the 80s best known action TV series, which is... The A-Team. You're not joining in. We have had some feedback from Blaine Dowler from Bureau 42, and he says, Still behind, but not as far behind. Only three episodes to catch up. Okay, let's see if we can make sure he doesn't catch up too quickly by getting these episodes out. Sliders does not get better. Seasons 1 to 3 were on the Fox Network with biggest budgets and the original series creator involved. Series 4 to 5 were produced after Fox cancelled it and UPN picked it up with lower budgets. After a long enough delay, those some cast members had moved on to other projects. The average quality does download on a fairly steep slope at this point. A few podcasts ago, I talked about watching Sliders, which is a TV show about people sliding into different universes, and it starts off really good, and I remember when I was younger, and I didn't get the last few series, and it was on one of our local channels, and yes, it gets worse and worse and worse. Uh, In fact, the last season, I didn't watch every single episode. I picked and chose to try and find out some of the mythos uh, episodes, episodes that sort of expand on the whole sliders uh, way of them doing it. So, but thank you, Blaine, for uh, getting in touch with us. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can by email at mymarksmess at gmail.com. On Twitter, at Marksmith Podcast without the T. Or on our webpage, marksmesspodcast.blogspot.com, or on our Facebook, Marksmess Podcast. And it is good to hear from people, and even a few likes we've had uh, every month, we seem to have more and more people following us on Twitter. Uh, this is October, so we'll be looking at a scary-ish movie. But uh, another thing in October is Inktober. Catherine, what is Inktober? So every day in October... There's like a prompt word, you draw something to do with that, so one day it was snow, so you could draw anything to do with snow. So this is for people who are artistic. So it's a challenge every day to draw something, and you've been doing this and putting it on Instagram. Yeah. And a few other people, Pulp to Pixel, they've been doing this as well. If people want to see what your art is like, where would they find it? underscore art dot by dot cat underscore and we'll have that link in our show notes so this is all ink for the month it's not just pencil drawings yeah so like you can do line art you can do dip pen inking that's very good i'm very pleased with what you're doing and it's a lot of imagination when you get a word and you've now got this uh, art book that's going to be the end of the month is going to be filled with your art which is a lovely thing to have i've had it for two years and i'm nearly finished i've got like maybe 20 pages left this month we have got a free month of uh, a movie channel one of those subscription channels and we've been watching movies like mad um sometimes the movies are ones that i remember from when i was younger uh, i got shot into the mighty ducks what's it like it's good. The third movie isn't as good. I'm only halfway through it, though. Right, that's the one where they go to a school? Yeah. 
and we've moved up our movie nights to every week so we can get through as many movies. Now, last night we watched The Meg, and now I'm scared to go to the toilet, just in case. But The Meg was was really good. Um, Catherine would be interested in watching Jaws, I think, because of the jump factor. But I, it, Jaws is quite a slow movie where The Meg gets straight into the action right away. Uh, and just, it's good fun. And how many times did you jump? I didn't. You liar. <laughs> you were sitting there jumping at your seat. I wasn't. I know I jumped a few times. Because it kind of it just like lurked in the background and then came closer. Oh. <laughs> anyway, uh, oh, but a couple of weeks ago we decided to go for a lovely Christmas movie. And now Charlotte loves Christmas movies, don't you? Yes. And we went for... The Nightmare Before Christmas from 1993. Nightmare Before Christmas is a stop-motion animation. Jack Skeleton, the pumpkin king of Halloween Town, is bored of doing the same old thing every year for Halloween. One day he stumbles into Christmas Town and is taken with the idea of Christmas that he tries to get the residents, bats, ghouls and goblins of Halloween Town to help him put on Christmas instead of Halloween. But things don't go quite right because they're still in their Halloweenness. Really good movie. Uh, what did you think, Catherine? Yeah, it was good. It must have taken a long time to make. I, I've got notes on that. Uh, did you like the style of it? Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Charlotte? How, being a Christmas lover, how did you find this Christmas movie? I didn't really like it. Yeah, you suddenly realised it wasn't. It was more Halloweeny than Christmas. I like. I really liked the Christmas part, but there was, it was only like ten seconds long. Yeah, but it, it, it's a really good movie it, it, in the style of it. Uh, it took a group of around a hundred people three years to complete the movie. For one second of film, they had up to twelve stop motion moves that had to be made. So for every second, there were twelve shots made, and for making the movie, they had to invent things to help them along. Uh, one was a light alarm which told the animators when a light was out because if you have a light that goes out like blows or something in the middle of doing it you may not notice but you'd notice it on the movie and the other system which enabled the puppeteer to seamlessly switch a replacement puppet if a puppet broke in a shot a bit better I wonder how many replacements they had I think they had two on the go every time so every time one broke they made another one I think that oh so like people were making them all the time yeah do you think over how many years did I say three years you know things wear out Uh, the director was Tim Burton and he wrote it as well Tim Burton has got a real gothic humour to his uh, works they're endearing yet disturbing in fact there's a term called Burton-esque which is a movie-making term. He's made about 20 movies. Now, I have seen, I think it's 11 of them. Uh, and I think you two have seen a few. Usually, aren't isn't it like usually in his, even if the colours are bright, they're still dull? Yes, yeah, so very gothic. That would be the gothic scene to it. But they're also quite... It, it's not like they're 18 movies because they're so scary. They're just, they're creepy. Something creepy about them, but also endearing. Kind of like Coraline. Very much like Coraline. Coraline would be Burton-esque in its way of doing it. Uh, I first saw Beetlejuice 
which is about a girl who goes to a house that's haunted and she wants to help them and they have the otherly worldly spirit of Beetlejuice. Now, I've said his name twice. If I say it a third time, he appears. Isn't that like a musical or something? It might have been turned into a musical. Because remember, I think one day I find it on something, but and then the, one of the guys looked kind of like the Joker. Yes. It's a good movie. One of the writers uh, stars in it, and uh, the person who pay, plays Beetlejuice was chosen by Burton to be Batman. He did the Batman. You know the music that you guys know from the video games? That is from that Batman, a very stylistic Batman that has kept through the 90s. Okay. He also did Edward Scissorhands, which I've told you about before, and you're quite fascinated with that. And we must watch that sometime. It just really sounds like a horror movie. It isn't. It's a lovely, sweet movie. He, t- he tends to have characters that are down in their luck and how they come out of those situations. And loners... Like Edward Scissorhands, he did the next Batman movie, which is Batman Returns. The Nightmare Before Christmas was the next one. Ed Wood is a biopic about a director. Mars Attacks is really creepy. Uh, I was actually, it was quite disturbing. Sleepy Hollow, which is a story from uh, America's about a headless horseman. Planet of the Apes. I really enjoyed that. Big I fit. Ask, is this man all right? Why? Is he like all right in the head? Yes, he's just very gothic. Okay. If he if he did these as really nasty ones. You two have seen the next one, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I. Yep, so that's Tim Burton. There was a sense of, like, creepiness to it. Yeah, I was always scared by the music of it when I was younger. But there is a certain creepiness to your man's books. What do you call him? Roald Dahl. Yes. What do you call him, sorry? Roald Dahl. 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 Okay. <laughs> Corpse Bride was that year as well. I haven't seen that. The the Nightmare Before Christmas, The Corpse Bride, and there's one about a dog. Frank and Weenie. Yeah, they're all supposed to be connected somehow. They like, might. I get it. The, the main character from, what is it, the bride one, what's it called? The Corpse Bride. She does look an awful lot like the one from Sally. Yeah, the zombie one from yeah. The Nightmare Before, Nightmare Before Christmas. They're also all stop motion animated. Yeah, but it's a connection connection in the story. Charlotte's talking about Alice in Wonderland. Have you seen the more modern one? No. You, you'd you, know you him. through the looking glass, did you not? Well, it, it wasn't Burton. Big Eyes was a few years ago, and Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. I saw that. I liked that. We, we both did. I haven't seen that. I know it's a series of books. There's like these monster things, and they kind of look like um, Jack from The Nightmare Before Christmas, because they're like... They've got, like, white heads. And the most recent one was Dumbo. He did the live-action version of Dumbo, which really worries me about that. Yeah. Is that not a children's movie? Well, it so, is. Well, so is, like, most of those. All, all his are... I mean, I, I can't see any that are really high in uh, their, their ratings. Maybe Sweeney Todd might be quite high, but the rest of them, Dark Shadows is another one he did, and Big Fish. Big Fish is a joyous movie about a man's life. Wow. In a circus. Here are my top five of the Tim Burton movies that I have seen. Number five, I'm going to stick in Beetlejuice because I really enjoyed it at the time. And it's, oh, it's gone into cultural awareness very well. At number four, Planet of the Apes. I know his version isn't that well received by some, but I enjoyed it an awful lot. Uh, number three, I have got Batman. 
It's such a cultural icon. Number two is Big Fish. I really enjoyed that about a father's legacy to his child. And number one, I've got Batman Returns. I think it's the best of those Batman movies. Uh, it has the Penguin and Catwoman, I want to say. Uh, I must have another watch at that sometime. But these are all very stylistic movies and you know it's Tim Burton. You tend to find there are some movie makers that you know it's their movie by the style that it's made in. The same way as music we discussed about, who was that composer? Mozart. 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 You'd know his music by the style it's in and movie makers as well. There's certain wee twiddly bits they use. Mm -hmm. And they're usually quite fast. Mm, Not necessarily. Okay, let's, let's not argue about Mozart at the minute. After the break, we're going to l- touch on an 80s cultural icon of a TV series. So we will see you then. Bye. See you later. The world's strongest hero. The warrior from a hidden island. The master of super speed. The wielder of the weapon from beyond the stars champion of the seven seas they are the only ones standing before a world beyond the brink of collapse their mission abolish war and crime eliminate poverty and hunger clean the environment cure disease even stop death itself they promise within a year to make the world a utopia no matter how many lines they might need to cross coming soon to the pulp to pixel network the squadron supreme cast an exploration of Mark Gruenwald's epic 1985 Squadron Supreme miniseries. A look at the heroes, the villains, the fine lines separating them, and how this miniseries continues to play an influence in mainstream superhero comics. What is Council of Geeks? Well, despite the name, it's actually just one kind of pretentious guy on YouTube who rants at camera a lot and just goes on and on about things like Doctor Who and Marvel movies and Star Wars and... I meant, once the Council of Geeks podcast feed? Oh, that. Well, it kind of depends on when it is you're looking at it. What does that mean? Well, it's been a lot of things at a lot of different times. Originally, it was just longer versions of roundtable talks that uh, the guy who runs the thing used to have. It was the home of 90s Comics Retrial for a while. Oh, I liked that show. Yeah, but, you know, then he did Executioner's Song and it broke him, so he doesn't do that anymore either. Oh. There was Go Home Hollywood, You're Drunk. Winner of the Relatively Geeky Networks Award for Best New Podcast in 2017. Yep, that's the one. That's over too. His co-host had a kid and, well, he didn't bother ever trying to find somebody else. Oh. So what is it now? Well, at the moment, it is home to see a space cowboy, where he is just going back through Cowboy Bebop and uh, taking it one episode at a time, putting his thoughts up after not having seen the thing in about 15 years. Okay. Well, what will it be after he's done with that? Stick around, and maybe you'll find out what's next. Or catch up on the old stuff. It's still there. This is a very strange promotion. Yeah, well, he's a strange guy. Welcome back. 
1983, the A-Team reached my screen. 98 episodes over five seasons, with the first four seasons being sort of stylistic in their way and the fifth season changing up, up a bit, but not enough to, to save the show. The A-Team consisted of mainly four members. Colonel Hannibal Smith, the stern uh, man with a plan. Face Man Peck, who was not just a womanizer, but he was also the prov- provider for the team. Harlem Mad Murdoch, who was pilot. And B.A. Baracus, the strong man with the van. We sat down on a few nights ago and we watched the first full episode after the pilot. So this was number three of season one. A wealthy businessman hires his A-team to rescue his daughter from a religious cult, but after helping the girl escape, Hannibal, B.A. and Face, along with Amy, the intrepid reporter that comes with them, are captured and sentenced to death by the cult's uh, fanatical leader, Martin James. The four manage to escape from their captors and hole up in a local farm, but James's minions refuse to rest until the fugitives are brought to justice. Dun, dun, dun. We sat on Friday night and watched it. What did you think of this 80s icon of a series? It was alright. Uh, first thing we noticed was at the very start there were spoilers. They showed clips from the up-and-coming episode before the title sequence. How was that different from what we do now? Well, usually now, before the episode you have, this is what happened in the series so far. Mm-hmm. And they, these are episodes that aren't... It doesn't matter what order you watch them in. Usually, in the ones now, if they're going to say what's happening, they wouldn't say fully what's happening. Yeah, because we have thing now, a cultural thing called spoilers. Did you recognise the t- opening music? Yes. Did you recognise the opening monologue? Uh, the, the bit at the start that explains the whole thing... Ten years ago, maybe. if you need help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. Catherine, you noticed the incidental music in it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounded like the music at the start. Yeah, it was the theme of the A-Team running through it. So whenever they were there, it was like that. Thematic, would you say? Yes. It's like in Star Wars when Darth Vader walks in, his music comes in. Yeah. There was the prison camp, which was whatever your weird guy, Martin James's church. Uh, and it was, Charlotte, you said it was like a prison camp. And what were they doing to tidy up? Sweeping dust. They were breaking the dust. Oh, yeah. no, they were raking it, not even sweeping it. Yeah. One thing that made me laugh was when, I think it was Face Man got hit. And they sort of put fingers in front of his face and said, how many fingers? What did he answer? Blue. It was blue. That made me laugh because it was totally out of it. Two things that I noticed. Uh, They talked to Amy was scared she was going to die. And what did they, what advice did they give him, give her when they were? We're in this situation a lot. We never die. There was another bit they said. They said, you have to face the fact that sometime you will die. And once you get over that hurdle, you can do something about it. Die. (laughs) <laughs> well, if you're, I, I think what they were saying was, if you're prepared for the worst, if you're prepared that you might die, then you're more likely to be able to do something about it, right? And we have to face. All of us are going to die. It's one thing we've all got in common. At the very end, the farm girl who was all over her face said, "Why do you do it?" And he said, "It's for the jazz." That's a theme that runs through it. What, what do you think it meant? Music, fun of it. The fun of it, not the for music. The for their title music. <laughs> for, the t- for the crack. For the crack, as we would say. Because they enjoy it as well. 
The A-Team is one of those cultural icons, and I was at the age where these were men that I could look up to. Uh, sometimes we can look at media and see, well, what are we meant to be as men and women? What are we meant to be when we grew up? I didn't really look at the A-Team like that. My role models from the media would have been more like Groucho Marx or Doctor Who. Groucho Marx was a black and white uh, movie star who was a comedian. And he got out of situations by being funny, by being smart. And the same with the Doctor. He would uh, get out of tough situations like that. What one? Which one? Which Doctor? Yeah. Well, my Doctor would have been Peter Davidson, the fifth one. Old. Well, so am I. Wait, is that the one? The, the cricket. The George's dad one. Wait, is that the one with the salary? Yeah. Yes, it is. Georgina Moffat's. Right, uh, so that that's the A-team. There was a movie out about nine years ago uh, about the A-Team uh, that was was okay. But do you think the A-Team could be made now and how different would it be? I think it probably could be made today, but there would be a lot of changes. Would you have more women on the team? Probably to please people, at least half of the team would have to be women. To please people? Mm-hmm. You don't think it should be as a matter of course? Well, if they didn't have at least like half the people as women, they would go, oh, they're trying to overpower the women with men. They're trying to put more men in to show like, men's power and all that. Could it be a totally female team? Then you get the men complaining. Well, you'd have men complaining anyway. Let's face it. There are people out there who Plus complain. They, go, they would go, first Ghostbusters, now it's this. <laughs> they've had, they've had people do that. I think this could be made now as a half-decent TV series. But you'd need to delve into the pasts of them. I, I honestly, with the whole thing, should they change gender or even race? It depends how well they're written. If they're written well, they had a, a big debate, online debate years ago about whether Peter Parker could be played as uh, black. Not mm-hmm. Miles Morales. Then uh, a lot of people said no, they couldn't. Then somebody brought out Miles Morales, and it's fantastic. You, you'd need to change it for the 21st century. There, there are lots of things about the A team. The A team are on the run from the government because they were accused of a crime they did not commit. They would probably have more like no, I don't want to say variety of characters. Yeah, but, wrong, yeah, but. because let's face it, the original one were three white guys of a certain age and one black guy of the same age. There were there, a woman. Any Not women that were in it, Amy, Amy, uh, the journalist was re- replaced at the beginning, at the middle of the next season by another woman. Basically, one of the actors didn't like having any women in it. And there's something nice about having an all male cast or an all female cast because, you know, we do jet- gravitate towards our own gender and you'll find that throughout your life. But there are times when it's great to mix it up. When they brought back Battlestar Galactica, the guy who plays Face played a uh, person in the original Battlestar Galactica in the 80s, or the 70s actually, called uh, Starbuck. When they brought it back 10 years ago, they changed Starbuck to a woman. Starbuck. Oh. Is that Starbucks logo? Is that the woman well, Starbucks? Do you know where Starbuck, the name comes from, for uh, Starbucks? No. It comes from Moby Dick, the, movie, the novel. I was about to say the movie. <laughs> I think they had a novel first, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, Moby Dick about uh, a captain who was obsessive about capturing this great white whale. And one of the deckhand, or one of the first mate or somebody like that was called Starbuck. And he drank a lot of coffee. So I don't know if they took that for the Battlestar Galactica uh, person. But if you write it well, you can change the characters. If you don't write it well, it doesn't matter if you change the characters or not. That's my opinion. 
Anyway, that was the A-Team, and that was Tim Burton, and that was all our stuff for this time. If you would like to get in touch with us about any of this, you can via email. MyMarksMess at gmail.com Over at Twitter. At MarksMessPodcast without the T. On the webpage MarksMessPodcasts.blogspot.com or on Facebook. MarksMessPodcasts. Next time, we don't know what we're doing. No! Oh, know what? We know what we're doing. Oh, right, you haven't discussed this with me, so what are you doing? We had a secret meeting. We're gonna make you watch things we like. Like what? YouTube videos. Oh no, is this the list? Yeah. Oh no, not that. No, see number four, that's, that's terrible. What's number four? Find out next time on Mark Smith's Podcast. Oh.